This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The following content is not suitable for children. George, we've got some great stuff and we have a special guest today, Dr. James Hawkins, and we are talking about sexual scripts. And this is kind of the cultural, intrapsychic, and interpersonal ways that we believe we need to act sexually. I thought it was a fantasy role play script. No, we're talking about something else. (laughs) I know, not as much fun this episode. Let's do role play next. All right. I like it. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. So today we are fortunate to have a special guest with us, Dr. James Hawkins, and he's going to help us talk about sexual scripts. And James is, he's an EFT supervisor, trainer, and therapist. He's a licensed professional counselor. You can find him in Arkansas, and we will link you to his center, the Joshua Center, on our website. And James is also a podcaster, and it's a podcast that I listen to for EFT therapist. It's called The Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy. Very cool to help you with your moves, to really help you understand ways to interact with your clients. And George and James are also partnered together in Success and Vulnerability. So James, welcome. Thank you for joining us. It really is truly an honor to be here with you too. Um, on Foreplay Radio, I love the mission that you're about helping couples and therapists to really talk about this important area and get clearer on it. And not only just get clear about sex in itself, but you two tying it to attachment, which is a powerful motivation of the human system. So really thankful. And my wife and I have definitely greatly benefited from listening to you ourselves. So that is nice to hear. We appreciate that. Well, on our success and vulnerability team, we all appreciate James's wisdom. So you're not only a, an amazing resource for us, you're, you're a great dude and, and, a, and a good friend. And we could tell some stories about hurricanes in Las Vegas or, you know, some other good stuff, but we're here to learn about some sexual scripts. So what do you got for us, James? <laughs> yeah, man. Yes. Um, you know, this came out of a training I was with you and Lori with, and we were just talking about some of you, you two getting clear about how do we help clinicians really be able to help our clients explore certain things within in counseling. You two are doing a great job of let's be more focused, let's be more intentional about uh, assessing sex for our, for our couples in therapy and not just jumping into what's your attachment style or what's your emotions or what's your communication style, but what about this component of sex that does need to be talked about for our couples, right? So I really appreciate that. And so when I was doing that, and y'all were really pushing us to think about what are the questions we ask couples, what came over me was we need to be able to explore kind of the ways that society the music we listen to, the media that we watch, things we learn maybe in stories, things that we learn in our faith communities, they hand us scripts. And when I say scripts, I know there's a traditional way of talking about scripts 
sometimes uh, when I went to took a sex therapy in, in grad school was kind of like the unspoken ways that couples dance sexually in their relationship. Like when I lock the door, when I wear this perfume, you know, I don't have to really say I want sex. We do it without saying it in a way. Mm. But what I recognize that sometimes thinking of the metaphor of like an, an actor getting a, a script from a playwriter, here's the role you're going to play in my movie. Here's who I'm going to tell you who your character is, how your character should come across, what your character should do, and how other people should respond to you as a character. I think sometimes we need to help couples recognize that whether it's media, once again, your faith community, life, the cultural group sometimes that we're a part of, the music you listen to, we need to watch. They're handing us sometimes, they're handing us scripts. Mm. This is what mm -hmm. it means to be a sexual person. This is how you should go about sex. And I'm not saying, once again, that we throw those out, but what we need to help our clients do is, do they even recognize the script or the way that they're making meaning about their themselves as a sexual being and things that have been handed to them? So, for example, I had a client. She came into me and she was part of her recovery, not only something that happened for her partner, but she recognized, I believe this one script, and she didn't use that word, but I believe this one story. That's the word she used. I, I believe this one story that was told to me by my community about who I am as a woman, what I should do with my sexuality, how I should express that, or what happens if I express that. I believed it, but then as I got older, that script didn't work for me. And actually there were some ways in which it really hurt me and hindered me. So we had to go in and do some work for her uncovering some of those scripts, how she believed them, how they hindered her, and then helping her find how does she want to actually live that out. So that's what I mean by sexual scripts. And what's so helpful about what you're saying is I think we emphasize a lot our past experiences sexually and the communication between partners, you know, as and that's hugely important, but we often don't, we're not intentional about these larger framework of influences. So this is really, really helpful to say, hey, what have you learned? Kind of like your language that you don't even realize. And if you don't realize it, you can't challenge it. It's still influencing your behavior. You just have no way of doing anything. So we're really going to try to uh, unwrite or make these scripts more explicit and transparent here. So mm -hmm. I love that you talked about this as we're sort of handed this script, just like in the movie. I believe, though, that for most of us, these scripts are running unconsciously. Yep. We don't even know that we're following the script. And so I think what we're doing today is talking about a few of them, about the ones that maybe we, we are aware of, mm -hmm. so that we can challenge it and say, you know, is that really what I want to do? Is that, do I have to behave in that way? That's really good. I like that, that we might not know. And that's the thing. I think that's the key. If I'm going to say anything, one is a first practical point for this is whether it's I'm, we're talking to therapists and some of a lot of your population is probably just like, you know, the general person who's not a therapist. I think the first important point, though, is exploration, Ooh. which gets into what we talk about in attachment theory anyway. You know, when we have security and attachment, we have the ability to explore. But when we don't have security, we don't explore. We just kind of guard and protect. And that's the exact same thing in the sexual attachment cycle. When we're secure sexually, we have this beautiful ability to explore, to be adventurous, to have variety because we feel safe and we can let ourselves go. And when we don't have security, actually, when we're anxiously attached, we shut down in a number of ways. We shut down our hearts. We don't engage as intimately in sex. 
Or sometimes we're so frantic about making sure our partner loves us or is attracted to us that we get all undone with that. And, you know, the quality of the sex is not as good. Right. And if you don't feel safe, you have good reasons for that too. I mean, we'd all love, we all don't have the good fortune of having safety in our relationships, right? And if you're one of those people who don't, right, that listen to your body to be able to even identify that you don't feel safe, right, is the first step towards heading towards the safety that allows the curiosity to start challenging some of these scripts. Yeah, because in attachment, you know, one of the first, when you, when you don't have secure attachment, and, and this is one that my friend Ryan Reina, co-host on The Leading Edge, uh, said it's, the first thing you lose when you lose security is flexibility. Mm -hmm. The first thing you lose when you lose security is you lose flexibility. So I want to go back and not make this personal. I use kind of like a client story, but like, you know, when I think about, and that's the big part about when I think about scripts, it's just about being exploratory. That's the big takeaway and why I appreciate your podcast. So, you know, even in my own script, so there's like, there's media and stuff. So I think about probably, let's see, I would say, so let me go to family of origin in a way. My family of origin, sex was never explicitly talked about. So kind of like, and they never told me you couldn't, but what I took as a script was, you don't, you don't explicitly talk about this part of your life. Mm -hmm. And then what happened is even as maybe parts of maybe a part like being a little boy and learning about parts of your body, if any part of it came out, it was people laughed. So then it's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. But then when you, it's like, who likes to be embarrassed? Nobody. So what do you learn to do? Don't talk about it. Right. So that's one part I think in a script, but then how does that happen? Like, this is why I like you two kind of coming in. You're part of people's scripts now around. Oh, that's, that would be a lovely thing to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are, let me finish telling this Lori, because now you two come in and whereas my, my partner, Nicola, who happens to be sitting in the studio listening, <laughs> right? So you guys who are listening, like, yeah, this guy can talk about, it, but what would he say to his wife? I'm seeing all this in front of her right now. By the way. Hey, Nicola. Hey, just that's proof, George. They want just proof because it does do something, by the way, in research. Guys do need to see they need to see kind of when a, another male is being vulnerable. Can he be vulnerable in front of his his partner in a traditional couple sense? You know, this is like talking about his wife, but like anytime, like but anyway, that's a whole nother topic. So but going in by how you came into my story, you two are putting out so explicitly. Let's think about these things. You should be able to talk if you can't talk about sex. What's going on there? What's the block that's blocking you? And so now you're telling me you, you two send this huge message of there should not be shame around talking Well, not say shouldn't, but like, we don't want shame to be the thing that blocks you around sex. And I'm like, oh, and now Nicole is listening and she's the one that wants to talk about hard things or things that could be uncomfortable. And so she comes and she brings up these conversations and these things that you tell people to do about showing your partner, your body and allowing them to explore. I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? This is not, <laughs> this is not the script I was handed in life. <laughs> so good for me to feel like, and I'm, let me tell you this, like, like it felt so good to say, oh, not that anybody meant anything, but like it felt so good for me to own and start writing, co-writing my own script. It's not mm -hmm. that I need to take out my family of origin. I need mm -hmm. to make sure I'm co-writing it. I'm an active author in this story of my life, right? Love it. Love it, James. Active author. Nice. And then one more, I'll go to this one. This is one that you can see media come in. So I remember being a little boy. And I should not have been seeing this movie, but I don't know where anyone else was. But oh, well, here we go. Right. I remember it was this movie and I still remember it to this day. It was uh, the title of the movie was on HBO's uh, Separate Vacations. 
So it was mm. a couple that got to so Lori knows the movie. She shakes her head. Yep, yep, yep. And this couple, like they're in a drought in their life and their marriage, and something happens and they end up on separate vacations. And all you remember what ends up happening to the couple is they have these like sexual exploits where it's just like this heated kind of passionate type in, in thing. And so what you see though, and a lot you see this in movies, when you really think about it, is that you don't see couples that are like in committed relationships having hot sex. Mm-hmm. Only people you see having hot sex is there's no commitment. And so that began to affect which you see that a lot for our running couples, like married people, sex is going to be boring. You're going to have to beg for it. Women, you're going to have the duty of being the keeper of when you can and cannot. And so those are scripts that I had to deal with even in my own life as well, too. I, I love that. I, I think that that is so true, that there's certainly a script out there, right? That marriage kills sex and that the hotter sex is either before you get married or extramarital sex. So I think that that is definitely the push of the media. Absolutely. I mean, how many times do you see the married couple being the central romance of any kind of movie? I, it's my, one of my favorite series is Friday Night Lights, which is this football town in Texas. You know, and basically the main couple, the coach and his wife, they are the central romance and they are hot, smoking hot and they're hot for each other. And it's one of the things I love that they've actually developed a whole series around their romance and these people too. I, it's not a Christian kind of film, but I, I always say, you know, they're salt and light for each other and they're salt and light for their community. And it, it's just so beautiful. But I think overall, Certainly the media, the music, everything that we listen to is about longing that happens outside of marriage. Well, let's come back and let's talk about our personal scripts. Laurie, what do you think? Okay, (laughs) you know I'm up for that. George, there's a new app. It's called Intimately Us for Couples, and you can download it on your phone. And I'm recommending it because it's amazing. I want all of our listeners to try to download it this weekend. It is actually free, but there is a paid for premier section that kind of goes a little bit further. Got nothing to lose if it's free, right, Lori? Right. And what it does is it kind of helps people with foreplay, you know, giving them sexy ideas, asking questions that you can share with your partner, lots of in-depth how-tos and ideas for mm-hmm. more connection, more pleasure. Right. And we know couples, you're jumping into that bed with that phone. So why not use it in a <laughs> constructive way, right? Check out this app where you, at least it's being intentional, trying to get couples to focus and prioritize their relationship instead of kind of checking TikTok or whatever else you're doing. Facebook. Facebook. Intimately the, us for couples. It also has like this private center where you can share pictures, sexting, that kind of stuff. So that could be fun if you're worried about your kids getting on your phone and, you know, seeing your messages. Intimately us. I love it. Kindred spirits of people just trying to help people be more intentional in their relationship. Check them out. Uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay. Y'all, this is a great product, something that I've been recommending for at least 20 years. Uberlube has three types of silicone. They are friendly to the body. They don't trap bacteria. They also have vitamin E, which enriches your body's tissue. It's actually healthy. It resolves dryness. It's a good product. I would love for you to check this out. And I know people wait till intercourse to use Uberlube. I don't 
get that. I, I don't get why they would wait. Why not use it right in the beginning so that all the touch feels slippery and fun? And men, this is your friend, this Uber Lube, right? It's not a sign that you're failing and your partner's not turned on. This is like, use it for a massage. Use it to rub your toes, put it on. I mean, there's so many things that you can do that just make it. It's I want a whole bath, Lori, of Uber Lube that I can be in with my partner. We highly recommend it for a great sexual experience. That's uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay. Okay, May 20th is our couple's retreat. So great sex, great love. You can find it on our website on foreplayradiosextherapy.com. And we just invite you as a couple to come and join us on May 20th. It's Friday. It's all day. We talk all about sex. We talk about everything. And we do it in a way that's safe and not embarrassing. But if you come, you will have conversations you've never had before. Yes. So... May 20th, again, great sex, great love. Please join us. Okay, George, I'm dying to know about your personal scripts, man. What what influenced you? Let's hear some of your scripts first. I thought first. we were going to do ladies first, no? <laughs> That, oh, that's I, a good that's a good policy in sex, but on the podcast, you can go ahead and all right. do the honors. I appreciate James just bringing this topic up. It's something I haven't thought much about, but very similar. I grew up, I think we get conflicted scripts, but I grew up with spiritual messages around purity and innocence and saving yourself. And then I get this more cultural. If I think I've never had a male role model that didn't send me some kind of message that sex was you know, something fun to have with somebody else, a conquest, you know, if I think of people I've worked with, it's like, how many girls can you date or get it? You know, so there's these conflicting messages like, hey, I go to church on Sunday and I hear you shouldn't be having sex. And then I go to the firehouse Sunday night and it's like, what'd you do this weekend? Who are you able to pick up? And it's like, (laughs) these things can be quite confusing, I think, for, you know, these mixed messages. No wonder why so many of us struggle with communication. And I think unless you're kind of bragging or having fun about sex, there was no examples of actually talking about struggles in sex or, you know, so that was totally something you would hide. I agree with James, you'd be embarrassed and just keep it to yourself. So there were really two central messages in your growing up, which was the church, you're you're a Catholic and still a Catholic. And that was about purity, keeping yourself from sex. And then there was this real powerful male message about to be a man was to be able to get women to have sex, to be able to pick up women. Sex was fun. I mean, in mm-hmm. some ways, it was very positive about sex. Sex was a great thing. And it was also about, though, that maybe to be a man, help me understand that, to be a man, you could you could get women. It's about the physical, right? It's about the, the, the desire that kind of, there wasn't a lot of messages around the emotional, the spiritual. We talk about best sex. It, it was all in the, the physical realm. Mm-hmm. So best sex was, was physically hot. Yeah. yeah. So say Patty's day, you're, you're marching in a fine apartment and you're going to bars afterwards and you're having a good time. You know, <laughs> think of, people think about firemen, they think about sliding down the pole and you know, kind of 
cool, fun things. I mean, where in that script do you hear anything about emotional engagement or vulnerability? That wasn't in any scripts I heard. Or, or can I jump back in? But what if you're that guy who's been handed that script that men, it's just for you is you should just be having pleasure and not really getting too emotionally tied up. It's about conquest and not getting settled down. Mm-hmm. But then imagine, but I think for a guy, it's just because sex does, in a sense, almost under the surface, it starts bonding you, but that doesn't fit within your script in a way. So it's just about helping to, I love what you're saying, helping to explore that. And then it hits something in attachment that we talk about is what's your view of others and view of self. So mm-hmm. what do these scripts begin to tell us? So when George hears this, like as a guy, I'm supposed to be sexually appealing. I'm supposed to be hot. But what if I'm not getting that kind of attention from women? Or what if I am having sex with my partner who maybe has been given, been given a script to not be a certain sense of expressive? And then you don't see pleasure on her face. Now you start to get this script like something's coming up short in me. So it's really about many of your people listening, they might not know that these scripts are happening, which is right. why I like shows like this, or I like therapists who can help help them find themselves in their story. Because sometimes these things are running so underneath the surface, but blocking us sometimes emotionally and relationally. It's certainly mm. the script, I think for most men, and certainly for me, was all based on accentuating performance. You're supposed to be ready to go at all times to be able to kind of give knockout sex to your partner who's fully satisfied. And that's all anybody wants to hear those stories. You kind of, you picked up, you were amazing in bed. It worked incredibly well. And that's it. That's your story that you're going to share or what you're going to hear from others, right? Anything outside that script, you're not hearing it. Mm, Wow. That is so interesting. I, I can just kind of imagine the chatter right in a firehouse, you know, wow. But of course, you know, I'm a little bit interested here. This is George and James talking. I'm ready to hear Lori kind of talk about, even as a woman, kind of how the, some of these scripts have been handed to her and how it's impacted Lori. Hmm. Yeah, I I had a couple scripts, I think, that were really dominant in terms of how it influenced my sexual being. Certainly, I was also very religious. Um, I was in a kind of a fundamentalist church when I was in my late teens and 20s. And I had grown up in a fairly chaotic household. So this very rigid kind of behavioral script, I think, was stabilizing in some ways. And I think that's what attracted me to it. But sexually, the script was so rigid. I mean, we were it was definitely purity culture before it was called purity culture, you know, but we were not supposed to be having any kind of sex. We were not supposed to French kiss anybody until we were engaged to them. No sexual touching, you know, so it was really frightening. You know, any, any sexual impulse was frightening, but there was this huge pressure to not experiment. And there was tremendous guilt for any kind of going outside that line, you know, and that guilt was kind of used to keep us in check. I did a lot of Christian counseling when I first got married as well. And a lot of kids that came to me kind of talked about how that guilt of going outside the line became a secondary script once they were married. They, they couldn't allow themselves to forgive themselves for having crossed that line. So they would punish themselves further by not enjoying marital sex. I mean, it was, it just went on and on. And, and I would just say the secondary script that I lived under is obviously as a female, that in some ways you were supposed to look super hot, 
but you were really not supposed to be super hot. You were supposed to not know how to instruct somebody about your body. You were not supposed to be a, a shaper of that experience. You were kind of supposed to keep your mouth shut. I mean, I, w- I was told explicitly by the female church leaders that um, not only about sex, but just in general, Lori, keep your mouth shut, you know, until you get married, then, then you can give your opinions. Because as you might have gathered, I was a fairly opinionated person. <laughs> they, they thought that that was what was blocking me from getting married. That wasn't just <laughs> a recent development. This has been here a while. All right. <laughs> But it, you know, it really impacted. I heard that message, right? Don't talk about it. Don't, don't say anything. And, and really, you know, you weren't supposed to know your body. I I just want to jump in here real quick, Lori, just to highlight, you know, we always try to balance this out. People have good reasons for these scripts, how they get created. It's how society stay together. We need to, to fit in. And, you know, these rules are important. I liked how you said it's like, these rules can stabilize and then they could become constrictive. So again, if you're somebody that needs these rules and it makes you feel safe, great. You know, they keep going. It's operating. It's working for you. It's really when these rules start to be constrictive that we want to say, Hey, let's, let's see if we can challenge them. I like how James says, be an author who might rewrite some of this stuff, but I don't want to make it sound like, Hey, you know, there, there are some great rules out there that people really need and it's super healthy for them. Yeah. And I do want to say, you know, because I did counsel so many young Christian couples, there were Christian couples who made faith decisions to not engage sexually, but I saw them afterwards and they were healthy. They had had other healthy messages. They had explored enough of their own self Mm -hmm. that they were able to come and, and really have a good sexual adjustment. But I, I would say the majority of the kids that I grew up with, you know, it was tough for us. Mm-hmm. And once again, if anyone, this is not even in faith, this is people outside of a faith perspective. Everyone has certain boundaries and standards for it. The key is we just once again want to make sure that you explore it. Where did this come from? Who helped shape this? Is this something that even now in this part of your life that it's still something that really works for you? Is it something that kind of creates a place or a block for you? What? Not even just for you. What about what does it look like, especially when we're talking about a couple, right? This is George's famous co-co, co-regulate emotion, meaning that we can feel with each other, but co-create meaning. That's where this fits in again around sexuality. Can Mm -hmm. you and your partner sit down and say, you know what, this is what I learned from my family. This is what I learned for church, but you have a responsibility in your relationship. What does this mean for us? What did you learn and how did that impact you? What did you learn? How did that impact you? And what does this mean for us? You get to co-create. So you open the story. It's like you get to open up each other's storybooks read each other's storybooks, which is very intimate, sexually, emotionally, to say this is the storybook I've been given, or I'm, I'm recognizing that I was given. I see your storybook. Now, how do we, how, what does this mean for us? And this is, I think, a very good process. I've appreciated from Nicola I in this like latter years of our marriage that it's like becomes a little bit more explicit. And that's, once again, where I'm thankful for your podcast. Like, what does this story mean for us together? And how do we start trying to write this story for us? And for us as parents now what's the story we pass on to our mm. children uh, but still tell them we still want the girls to know like this is something you're going to be personally responsible for understanding and figuring out can i tell one quick right. story i loved it like yes nicola and i were at a conference and, and we had walked past the booth of one of the presenters and the presenter was talking about sexual health 
And, but one of a person was at his booth, a nice, a, a tall, attractive woman, and she was wearing a, a red dress. And Nicola saw her, and Nicola just stops. And she goes back to her and says, you look good in that dress. And you could see the lady's demeanor kind of just relax. And she leans in and she thanks Nicola. And she tells Nicola she had a little bit of a debate in herself. When, and I'm feeling this because of what you said, Lori, even about a woman. Like, you know, she felt this debate, like, should I wear this? Is this going to be too much? Or is this? But, it's a, but it felt true to me and like who I am and what I'm here for. And just mm-hmm. to have you kind of point that out. Like it just made it made her feel good, but you could see right there in that quick moment, she recognized I'm up against a societal script, but I also have a script that I'm trying to rewrite, and there's a little bit of tension and conflict in between the two. So and went, you know that that is a beautiful story, and I would also add there's a script that says other women are competitors, and what Nicola did right is mitigate that with her beautiful compliment, her embracing of this woman, telling her she looked beautiful, and obviously, you know, complimenting a, a sexual way of dressing. I mean, that was gorgeous, and so maybe it was something that she was changing inside herself, but it was also a secondary way to modify this part that says we we can't enjoy or see other women as sexy and beautiful because that will diminish us. What an opportunity this is, right? We can't rewrite scripts if you don't challenge them. I love James when you said, hey, what do we tell our kids? You know, when you're watching that movie and you're watching a sex scene, that's influencing you. Right. If you can't talk about it, you can't really ever rewrite that script. Right? How healthy it would be to say, hey, what are you watching? What is that doing? What are you reading? What are you listening to? All of these influences, right? To be able to have a conversation gives you a choice. It gives you power. Like, was that just entertaining? Did that do something to me? Do I want to replicate that? Do I want to push that away and not watch something like that? There's so much we can do when we make it explicit. So what a gift you're giving us and our listeners, James, just to uh, have people get more curious. The world's a better place when we're more curious. Yeah, thank you so much, James, for being with us again. Dr. James Hawkins on The Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy. And you can find him at the Joshua Center. We will link him on our website. So we really appreciate you coming and bringing your wisdom to us and bringing up this, I think, really important topic about scripts and how maybe they run in the background and maybe we need to think about them and how they constrict us or add to our lives. And so once again, George was my mentor in the EFT process. He always pushed me to have clean focus lines. So in, I guess in my summary here, like the line that hit me right as you two shared was, is, and we're not even trying to say once again, what's healthy, not healthy. But I think when we're talking about having, holding on to healthy scripts in a healthy way, is we know it's healthy when we can explore it and talk about it. Ooh. That's how we want to determine health there, I think. Mm-hmm. It's when Very you can nice. explore it and you can talk about it. It's unhealthy when you cannot explore it and you cannot talk about it. Lovely. Beautiful. Thanks for listening. Keep it hot and challenge those scripts. Lori, really excited about the Success and Vulnerability Project. We are really pushing the leading edges of therapy and breaking down the process and in moments, session by session, choice points. Why does this work? What intervention are you using? If it works, what do you do next? I mean, this is the next level for therapists. If you want to up your game, you want to see real clinical examples, you want to break down the process, you want demonstrations, you want teaching. I mean, it's all there. 
really exciting, good stuff. It is. I love it. I listen to the new modules repeatedly. It's great information. I'm learning, you know, still in the process and it is good. I love what you guys do teaching and the demonstrations. They're fun. They're funny and they're really helpful to my work. So this is training for therapists. If you'd like this training, go to successinvulnerability.com. It's all one word, successinvulnerability.com. Call in your questions to the foreplay question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.